Thank you, Jim, for that time of really joyfully coming to the Lord's presence. We remember at the cross at the cross where I first saw the light. Now, that's where we met Jesus, where we met him and experienced that forgiveness, the renewal uh, and washing rebirth by the Holy Spirit. I appreciate the call to prayer. Uh, Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. Uh, let us be watchful and thankful, devoting ourselves to prayer. And I would ask, uh, as Paul continues in that verse 3, he says, And pray for us too, that a door may be opened for your message. Today, uh, we enter into our time of worship. But those of us that work with college ministries and college students and do college teaching, this is our first week back as well. And we're praying that God would open a door for his message. Uh, I'm teaching a couple classes in New Testament as well as ethics. And it just that's been really our biggest outreach right now in a time of uh, when students aren't able to be on campus in the same way. And we're trying to open up this spring and we'll see how that goes. Uh, but uh, uh, thank you for your prayers on our behalf as well. Today, as we uh, move into our time of scripture um, and our time uh, of hearing from God, let us go back to that book of Colossians and listen to Paul's prayer in Colossians chapter 1, uh, beginning in verse 9. Listen to what he prays specifically for the Colossians, and I believe God intends for us to hear as well. Verse 9, chapter 1 of Colossians says, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we've not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you might live a life that is worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, being strengthened by, with his power according to his glorious might so that you might have great endurance and patience, growing in the knowledge of God, and giving thanks joyfully to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. We're part of the kingdom of light today. Let's pray together. Father, speak to us through your word this morning. Thank you for that prayer of Paul that reminds us uh, to live lives worthy of you, worthy of the good news, worthy of the forgiveness that you put upon our lives, worthy of our Savior Jesus. Would you speak to us this morning uh, from your word? Would you strengthen our hearts so that we might have great endurance and patience? Remind us of your grace. Help us grow in the knowledge of your Son. We pray all of these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, this morning uh, we're going to uh, in, our, in our scripture time, we're going to look today at another story from Luke chapter 2. I've told you, I'm not quite done with Christmas. And we're going to look at another story that recently, uh, that happens uh, uh, sort of close to the time of Jesus' birth. Uh, again, the scene in the temple when he was brought for dedication. We began with it last week. And so we're looking at Luke chapter 2, uh, verses 36 through 38. But before we do, I want to read a verse that kind of just has stuck out into my mind this week. It's Romans chapter 12, verse 12, and it says, Be joyful in hope, be patient in affliction, and be faithful in prayer. Anybody lacking joy right now? 
<laughs> I mean, oh my goodness. I, you know, I think uh, last week uh, a lot of people were really celebrating uh, for our country. A lot of people, I think, were mourning. I don't know. But just overall with COVID, with just the endurance, with maybe not getting to see family as much over the holidays this year, looking at another semester where oh, a lot of online classes for me, I'm thinking, oh, where is the joy? We're supposed to be joyful, not necessarily because of circumstances, but notice what it says. Be joyful in hope. We know that Jesus is coming back. We know that God has a plan, that God is in control. And then very next line, Paul, I think, is recognizing these difficult days, maybe not of ours, but certainly of his own, and saying, be patient, brothers and sisters. Be patient in affliction and faithful in prayer. Sometimes we are called, I think a lot of times, to wait. I need answers now. <laughs> I want to know what's going to happen next. Be patient. Wait. My wife, I think, told me the other day, I was asking about some things. I was like, oh, I just don't know what to do. I don't know. She's like, you're going to have to be patient. I'm like, I am being patient. I haven't thought about it for 10 minutes, and I'm like, I, 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 I really tried. I, it's so hard for us to be patient. Uh, but look, it's all the way through the scriptures. It was hard for the people of God all the way through history uh, to wait. Look at Psalm 13, 1 and 2, just says, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts day after day and have sorrow in my heart? These times where there is affliction or just difficulty or pain or just not what we wanted, sometimes we just have to wait. We just have to wait. In Luke chapter 2, I think there's a story that really helps us kind of see this a little bit. So think with me about this scene. Mary, Joseph were together uh, taking the baby Jesus to, to be dedicated and there, as they offered their sacrifices, it says in verse 36, there was also a prophet named Anna, the daughter of Penuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. Now, those of us that are getting older, we don't like the ageism kind of comments, but there it is. <laughs> she was very old. Okay, fine. It, 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 she was very old. She had lived with her husband for seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. Now, sometimes we run past Scripture too quickly. We, we, we just kind of, okay, there's the story. She was old, she was 84, she was married, something, something, she's something, 80-something years old, blah, 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 and move on. But the Scripture's always there for a purpose. The details that Luke write, you know, records are there for a reason, and they're a reason for our hearts. She was old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. How long had she been a widow? Well, we don't know because we don't know exactly when she was married, but it's 65 probably, probably at the time that women got married in those days, fairly young, and it's going to be 65, maybe almost 70 years old or 70 years of, of waiting, of, of not being married. And in that culture, in that time period, things were about family. Things were about your, your children and your grandchildren that you had hoped for. Your marriage was so important and so critical, just like it is today, right? Our families, our marriages, our homes. Could you imagine the grief? Could you imagine the sorrow 
Could you imagine the bitterness? Any of you struggle with that a little bit when things don't go your way and you're having to like, well, I didn't get what I had hoped for. I was counting on this being the person I was going to live with. I was looking forward to holding hands together and walking up to the temple and worshiping together to celebrating the feast days with my family. I was looking forward to, and it's been stolen from me. It's been taken from me. In John 10, 10, it talks about the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come to have, give you life and have it abundantly. Things so often feel robbed from us. I was reading my devotions in Zechariah chapter 9 when it speaks about Jesus coming uh, gentle and riding on a donkey, that prophecy about the Messiah. And at the end of that passage in Zechariah chapter 9, it actually speaks that God would restore to you double what has been taken. So often we live in hope, but we haven't seen in this life that double portion. And there's just this ease of bitterness cropping up. When we start thinking, where is God's provision? Can you imagine this widow? Can you imagine the sorrow? In Luke chapter 2, he goes on to say this. She never left the temple, but she worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. She never left. What? For, for, for 65 years, can you imagine? She never left the temple. Now, I'm sure that might, might be a little bit of a hyperbole. I'm, I'm sure she went to maybe eat somewhere or, you know, take a bath or something. I mean, I, I'm sure that there were some other things she did. You know, but day after day, month after month, year after year, worship and fasting and prayer became her occupation, became her devotion, became what she was committed to. Now, I don't know about you, but that's not exactly how I typically respond when things are not going well. How do you respond to troubles, to grief, to affliction? What is your first thing you do? How about complaining? Anybody got that one? <laughs> on mission trips? I, I don't know if you have gone on mission trips. I enjoy one of my favorite things is to take young adult college students on mission trips. I hate planning them, by the way. I despise putting all the details together. But I love going. <laughs> There's so much fun. And just to see God working in us and through us, I love going on mission trip. I always pick a verse that we all have to memorize. <clears throat> Philippians 2, uh, 14. Uh, Do everything without complaining or arguing. <laughs> you realize why that's the important verse. But the shout, there's no more hot water. But wait, why are we eating spaghetti for the third meal in a row? We had it for breakfast. You know, why are we uh, sleeping on the floor? Why are we there yet? You know, I mean, you, you know what I'm saying, right? There is always something to complain about, and all the comforts of home are stripped away. Complaining is probably my first response. Doubting. That's a big one for me. This isn't going to work out. This isn't going to go well. Fighting. Sometimes we just pick a fight or get mad when we're bitter, when we're angry, denying God's promises and his plan in our lives. Instead, Anna goes for prayer, fasting, worshiping. She goes to see the Lord high and lifted up, exalted. I had a, a friend this week who lost his father. I grew up with him and, and his, uh, his dad. His, his mom was actually the wedding coordinator of our wedding. And she's died a decade or so ago. And 
He lost his father this week to COVID, a long battle with it for about five, six weeks. But earlier in this week, he lost his daughter. And I've got to be honest, I can't imagine the level of grief he's going through. When we talk about patient and affliction, we're not just talking about, oh, complaining on a mission trip, right? We're talking about heartfelt, deep sorrow of loss. Loss in relationship, loss of community, loss of things that we value. Good things, gifts from God. And some of them, they pass away in this world. This world is bound over to decay, the Apostle Paul tells us in Romans chapter 8. How do we respond? I think God is calling us to be like Anna. Prayer, fasting, and ultimately, waiting. You see, it's in the waiting that I think God does some work in our lives. It's in the waiting that God prepares us. It's in the waiting that God strengthens us to endure. It's in the waiting that we learn more of his character and his will. In the waiting, we turns our eyes off of circumstances and on to him, on to the Lord. Luke chapter 2 continues. Look at what Anna does. In verse 38, she comes up to them to Mary, to Joseph, to Jesus, at that very moment, and she gave thanks to God. And look what she did. She spoke about the child to all who were looking for, forward to the redemption um, of Jerusalem. One of my friends, she gave birth to a beautiful baby girl this week, and I saw the pictures, and she's out in California. I saw the pictures on Facebook, and she's like, I'm exhausted, but I got, here she is, and it's like, I've been waiting for this for a while. I mean, I'm excited for her, I, beautiful child. I could talk on and on. I, mean, I saw the pictures and the little bows she put in the hair. and I mean, it's, 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 a, it's one of those cute little baby picture things, right? That's not what Anna was talking about. Oh, what a good-looking boy. Oh, he's got a full head of hair. Oh, that, that's not. She was talking about the Messiah. She was talking about the Savior. She was talking about how God had fulfilled the promises. Just like uh, we saw last week with Simeon, you can dismiss your uh, servant in peace because I have seen your salvation. This child... This child is the hope of Israel. This child is the savior of the world. This child will ultimately go to the cross, die for our sins, and rise again. There will be some days of sorrow and grief in there, but in a moment, he will rise again. There will be some days of sorrow for his kingdom, for his people, but he will come back for us. There will be a day when every tear will be wiped away. There will be a day when everything will be restored. You realize what she spoke about when she spoke about this child. This is the Messiah King. How did she know? Well, she was a prophet. Yeah, okay, great. Yeah, all right, God told her. Guys, I, we miss this. It was in those days of prayer and worship and fasting that she communed with God, that she studied and heard the scriptures, that she got her life in line with who God is and what, what God was going to do, not in what she wanted and how she was disappointed and in her hurts. She didn't sit there. I'm so thankful that as your church, as this church, is facing major decisions, the call is to a day of prayer, of fasting, of worship. Maybe you want to start early. Yeah, probably you already have. She spoke about the child. In some ways, waiting in this affliction of hers, this disappointment of hers, this widowhood, she became a witness. She became one of the first 
witnesses of Jesus. She became one that in the middle of the temple was able to proclaim who Jesus was. And I don't know about you, but I don't think she stopped. (laughs) I don't think that was it. I think she went on to be used by the Lord. Well, she wasn't the only person that had to learn to wait. Verse 39. When Mary and Joseph had done everything required by the law, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. You realize who had to do some waiting? It was Mary. It was Joseph. It was changing diapers. It was making sure the baby was fed. It was doing the job. It was teaching, getting him ready for school. It was growing up years, you realize that Jesus doesn't all of a sudden, as a baby, save the world. He doesn't reveal all that God is and all that God wants us to know as a baby. But 30 years later, approximately, he began to teach. It's a lot of years of waiting. There's a lot of years of working. There's a lot of years of going through things in the hometown of Nazareth. In verse 40, it says that the child grew and became strong, and he was filled with wisdom. He was filled with wisdom. And of the grace of God was on him. What do we receive in the waiting? I think this verse about Jesus tells us. What do we receive? Spiritual growth. Strength to endure. Wisdom and grace. What does it say? The child grew, became strong, was filled with wisdom and of the grace of God. I think in the waiting, we can receive that. You see, those same elements were in that prayer that Paul prayed in Colossians chapter 1. Let's start with wisdom. Let's start with wisdom. Look at verse 9. Since that day we heard about you, we haven't stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with knowledge of his will and all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. In those waiting moments, in those affliction times, God, what are you doing? God, where are you leading? God, what are we supposed to do? He fills us ultimately with knowledge of his will, but also all spiritual knowledge and understanding. We begin to know his character. We begin to know his plans. We begin to see that God is God. You remember Job, right? He doesn't get answers about why are all these bad things coming. But he sees God and realizes that God is God. And he's not. That God knows. He doesn't get to. But he learns to trust the Lord. Spiritual growth. That's what it said Jesus did. But look at Colossians 1 in Paul's prayer. He says, bearing fruit that you would live a life worthy of the Lord, please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God. It's spiritual growth. It's in those difficult times that we often are able to be that witness. It's in those difficult times that we're often able to learn not only about God, but we're able to bear fruit. We become spiritually more mature. We become the people that God has called us to be. It's the difficulties. You know, there were some hard times for me uh, in recent years that had to deal with some job changes for me. That had to deal with some things. And I'll tell you, those were the times where I really began to dig deep into his word. Those were the times that I feel like God rooted out uh, sins and prides. And, and some di- there were some things that were going on in the difficulties that were both fruitful outwardly and fruitful inwardly 
It's the valleys where things grow. Strength to endure. This is a big one. This is a big one. Verse 11 in Colossians 1. Paul goes on to say that in his prayer for them is they would be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you might have great patience and endurance. Did you catch that? You see, we as Christians, I think, make a mistake sometimes about God strengthening. We think it's always this sort of like champion strengthening. You know, right? It's, it's athlete time, right? I don't know, Super Bowl stuff and all those kinds of things we all like to watch. And there's always the Christian on there that's got, you know, the Philippians 4.13, right? The FCA favorite verse or whatever. It's like, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Let me do 10 more push-ups or let me do, you know, let me win the, the, the game. Let me climb the mountain. Come. God's going to strengthen me. I can do all things. And it's always about being a conqueror, being a champion, being victorious. Paul doesn't say that. He's praying that they would be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you might have great endurance and patience. Paul in prison writes a letter that you would be strengthened. Not that you would overcome, but as he says in Romans chapter 8, that you would be more than conquerors. Those that would endure, just as Jesus our Savior endured the cross, scorning its shame and is now exalted to the right hand of the Father. In the days of waiting, those days of affliction, the times when we're called to be patient, God gives us strength to endure. Not necessarily kicking down the walls, but maybe just holding it up. Maybe just holding it up. Finally, grace. Finally, grace. Colossians chapter 1, verse 12, and joyfully giving thanks to God the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. I'm not always the most joyful person. I'll be honest. Probably my nature is kind of the sour, eeyore, you know, kind of guy. But this verse reminds me that no matter what my situation, I should always remember and have as a realization in my life that joy can be there because I am qualified to share an inheritance. I'm already part of the kingdom. I'm already part of God's community. We are there. If nothing else today, will you give thanks for the salvation that is in Jesus Christ? Will you joyfully give thanks to God for the grace that is in our lives? And some of you maybe today, maybe you're listening or watching, you've never experienced that grace. You've never said, Jesus, forgive me for my sins. Come into my life. Today can be your day. Today can... Jesus said, God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. That offers for you. If you put your faith in Jesus... Ask him for forgiveness of your sins. He will forgive you and bring you into this kingdom of light. For those of you that are believers today, we're going to have a couple songs of response. But perhaps you want to come. Perhaps you want to come to the altar. It's open today, a, kneeling, a place to kneel, to pray. Perhaps right where you're sitting just to dedicate yourself today during difficult days, during days of affliction, during days of waiting, 
to prayer, to giving thanks, to asking God to continue to strengthen you that you might bear fruit in every good work. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you for the call. Thank you for the reminders to joyfully give thanks, to patiently endure in the power that you give, to see and to open ourselves to the fruit that you want to bear in us and through us. God, to grow, to grow in the knowledge of your Son. Lord, take over our lives today and every day. Be glorified. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.